Welcome to Gimme Some Truth. I'm Kevin Castro, your podcast producer, and your co-hosts are Clint Walkner and Nate Condon, the co-owners and financial advisors at Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. This is a podcast series dedicated to illuminate some of the darkness around fees, conflicts of interest, and the motivation behind recommendations in the financial planning industry. Here are your hosts. Welcome to Give Me Some Truth, where today we're going to be talking about 401ks, 403bs, 457 deferred compensation plans, defined benefit, defined comp contribution. Clinton, what does any or all of that mean? Well, it means that there's a lot of the uh, tax code numbers inside of that information that Nate just gave. And so we'll delve into a bit about what all these numbers mean and how you can navigate through these plans. So one of the main things to note here is that... Um, these are all forms of defined compensation plans and not defined benefit plans. So a defined benefit plan would be like a pension plan. Um, so technically, you know, Social Security is more of a defined benefit plan. You pay into that over a period of years, and then uh, you'll get some of your money returned to you in the form of a monthly annuity payment. That's, that's a defined benefit. And if you just break that down in how it's said, defined benefit, it's going to pay you X amount of benefit a month. Uh, for the rest of your life. So defined contribution gives you more flexibility in how to put those payments into the account and how the employer is also handling the account is uh, is different from an administrative standpoint. So let's just take the, um, the, the kind of the most basic one here, the 401k, and, and, and just a little bit of background information. The reason why we've listed off the ones that we have is these are the most uh, popular when it comes to um, kind of your, your garden variety employer sponsored plan. And we say employer sponsored plan because these are all plans that are in some way, shape or form tied to an employer as opposed to uh, a traditional or Roth IRA, which are designed more for individuals to be able to use um, of their own choosing. So the 401k plan that your employer has available for you, if, if uh, that's applicable to you, uh, is not something that you have the ability to uh, alter or you you do not have the ability to choose your own investment company, for example. All of that is decided for you. Um, Clint, give us a little bit more information in terms of kind of how that works, how the employer goes about setting that up for the employees. Yeah, generally they'll go and uh, find some sort of uh, retirement plan, broker, salesperson, financial advisor, and they will go out and help vet some of the plans. So all the major insurance companies just about uh, will offer 401k plan, the chassis, the network. Uh, and so basically what happens is there's a plan design meeting where they decide, okay, how many funds are going to be placed into the plan? What sort of expense structure are they going to have in the plan? And there's generally uh, administrative costs that get embedded into the plan or the employer pays for, and that's on a per head basis and also in a basis point basis in that uh, there's a situation where, you know, people have to pay for the administration and the record keeping. And then there's also the financial advisor or investment management company fee on top of that and mutual fund fees on top of that as well. So it can be fraught with a lot of different fee layers. Uh, unfortunately, in all 401k plans, 
it really involves all of these fees. And so we try to minimize those as much as possible in some way, shape or form. Right. So it's, 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 and they can be called different things and they can be, uh, you know, paid for different ways. Sometimes the employer pays for it. Sometimes the employee pays for it. Uh, we're not going to get deep into the weeds in that today because each plan is structured differently. What we do want to cover or, or, uh, the, the, the myth that we want to uh, kind of attack today is uh, the, the, the common phrase that we hear from people when they come in, which is, my 401k is free. My 401k doesn't have any fees associated with it. And, and uh, you know, Clint and I just have to um, kind of chuckle a little bit, um, n- not because the, the phrase is completely, um, you know, off base. It's just the, the perception of it is that I'm not seeing a bill for this. I'm not... Um, you know, receiving an invoice. So therefore, it's not costing me anything. Um, what we will say on that, and again, we'll, we're going to move on here so we don't get lost in the weeds on it is um, the disclosure on these fees is much more uh, clear uh, or, or as clear as it can be. Um, in comparison to say five to 10 years ago, legislation has been passed, which requires uh, a much heavier burden for fee disclosure, which in our opinion is a great, great thing. Yeah, there was some legislation that uh, basically showed, okay, what, and it had them break out the fees a little bit more as far as what our administrative, what our record keeping, and what our mutual fund fees. So those are things that you should become aware of when you're looking at your plan. Um, unfortunately for the employee, sometimes they don't have any uh, way to minimize these fees in the administrative and record keeping si- side. I mean, they can request that their employer review their plan, but they may be only subject to uh, the one thing they can control, and that is trying to minimize the mutual fund fees overall. So that is one thing that they can control. That's one thing they should work with their financial advisor to look at through the plan and say, okay, well, here are some uh, mutual funds inside of the plan. Some of them are index funds. Some are actively managed funds. Let's do some analysis on all of these and figure out what you want to select and how can we drive the fees lower as far as we can. And then as far as the administrative and record keeping, hopefully the employer's covering uh, the bulk of that, but in many cases they're not, and that'll be passed through to them, and they can just try to uh, lobby their HR or whoever does that plan to try to lower those costs as much as they possibly can. Okay, so let's get into a couple of the details. So most 401k plans are going to have a match associated with them. They're also going to have a vesting period that's associated with the match. So let's talk just briefly about what this means. So a garden variety match would be, uh, say, a 5% contribution earns you a 4% match. So, Clint, in layman's terms, what does that mean? Uh, That means that of every payroll contribution, uh, you're going to put in a set amount and the employer is going to pay the other side of it. All the contributions that the employer made stays on the pre-tax side. So, in other words... Uh, the company is getting a tax break for putting the money aside. So in Nate's example, if Nate was contributing 5% and the company gets 4 he has the option of putting it either on the traditional side on the 401k uh, or the Roth side, and the company will put it always on the traditional or the pre-tax side. Right. So essentially what, we, what we're saying there is if you contribute 5% of your salary, you're going to end up with a 9% deposit in your account. So you can understand how hugely powerful that is and why uh, at a minimum, if, if you walk away from uh, nothing else from this podcast than, than this point, it is A, understand what your match uh, is if your employer offers a match, and B, uh, absolutely do as, as best you possibly can to capture all of that match. So 
take it a step further in my example, if you were to put in 8% of your uh, salary uh, or your pay into the plan, your employer is still going to simply put 4%. So uh, the, the, the max that they're going to put in is 4 but in a lot of cases, to get that 4 you have to put in 5% in my example. So understanding what you have to put in to get the full match is, is really, really important. And the other thing to look at, definitely before you move forward with any of these plans is what is the vesting schedule and how long do you think you're going to be at the company so if you're working in a part-time capacity you may or may not be eligible assuming you're working on a full-time capacity you want to find out what that vesting schedule is and when I say that what happens is each year you're going to accrue more and more and earn out more and more of the company match so oftentimes you'll see a five-year vesting schedule and each year they'll give uh, 20% basically of their match. So it'll show up on your 401k statement as it's earned, but then there'll be a vested percentage as well. So where this is really important is if you were deciding to leave your company and you're trying to time it out and you want to make sure that you get the match, well, you may stay an extra month or two to pick up that match and make sure that you p- you're able to put that money in your pocket. Yeah, that's a great point because your statement is going to reflect all of the match in your in your account. It's going to look as though that money is all yours. And, and just for point of clarification, the money that, that the employer puts in is always, uh, excuse me, the, the money the employee puts in is always their money. You will always uh, have 100% ownership of that money. But the match, um, while it shows up fully in your account, only 20 or 40 or 60% of that amount of money uh, might rightly be yours if you decide to leave the company. So kind of understanding what that vesting schedule is uh, and how it works is, is really important. Clint's exactly right. If, if, uh, if you're on a vesting schedule um, and another, say, 25% of the match is going to become yours if you wait another month before you leave and you don't understand that and you leave today versus a month from today, you could be giving up a fair amount of money uh, without even realizing it. And unfortunately, you're not going to realize it until you decide to roll over that balance long after you've left the company, and then you're going to realize that your balance that you're rolling over is significantly lower than the overall balance in your 401k account. Yeah, and it makes a good point on rolling the money over. You know, whenever you make contributions into the plan, you're probably going to have multiple jobs over the course of your career, and therefore you can either leave the money in the plan, you can roll the money out to an IRA, whether it be a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA. Uh, or you can end up transferring it into a new employer plans plan if they accept rollovers, and the vast majority do. So those are all situations that you have. You want to check with your financial advisor or do the research yourself and finding out all the different nuances of the options there and what fits your situation best. So, Nate, we get this uh, question a lot, and that is, you know, I'm considering, I see that my plan has two different sides, a traditional side, a Roth side. Um, How do I elect or when should I elect one side over the other? Yeah, this is where uh, a, a complex um, kind of area of investing, uh, retirement plans in general, got even a little bit more complex by adding the Roth um, kind of variable into uh, into the mix. So before the Roth variable was was allowed, every traditional, or excuse me, every dollar that went to 401k plans went in under the traditional form, essentially meaning that it went in pre-tax, reduced your taxable income, gave you an upfront tax benefit, great um, great help for people that were trying to reduce their taxable income, but in retirement, uh, you did have to pay tax on the amount of money you put in, as well as the gains on the account. Most plans now offer a Roth side to their 401k plan, which essentially means that we can elect to put money in 
after tax, meaning we don't receive that upfront tax benefit, but then we get uh, the, the tax benefit at the end, meaning in retirement, we get to take all of that money out, including gains uh, without any tax, assuming we wait until we're 59 and a half years old or older to take the money out. So basically, in layman's terms, they took the benefits of a Roth IRA and tried to, as best they could, force those into 401k plans. And it's actually been uh, a really nice addition to that area. And there's a couple of extra, extra benefits that 401k plans have. Uh, number one, oftentimes you can get loans against the 401k plan. So if you hit a hardship situation, you have the ability to loan yourself uh, a portion of your own money and pay it back. Uh, in many cases, you can loan up to about 50% of the account balance. It, it does depend by plan, but in many cases, you can do that. Uh, so some people do use that in an emergency situation. We say that with the absolute caveat that that's one of the last places that you should look uh, to obtain money because you have to pay that money back to yourself. And if you move, if you leave jobs, um, that what will happen is if you can't pay that loan back immediately, it'll become a distribution and you may be subject to full taxation on that money plus excise taxes and oftentimes that excise tax is 10 percent plus you pay state taxes so it, it can you could lose 40 percent of the value of what you took out and you know potentially already spent so you want to be real careful about taking loans but it is a nice thing that you can get those loans because for IRAs that that option is pretty much off the table you, you get a distribution or nothing and you may be subject to penalties there Right. So let's take uh, somebody with kind of firsthand experience here. Kevin is in the room, our fearless producer, uh, joined our firm and signed up for the 401k. Uh, was it scary, Kevin? Was the unknown of it um, something that was uh, creating any trepidation or did you find the process to be pretty simple? I mean, overall, I had a pretty good idea about like what I wanted to do, but I will say I can't say that many 22-year-olds have already started with their 401k, so that was a little intimidating, I suppose. But, um, no, I mean, just knowing kind of how they work, just a general overview definitely helped me with that decision and the process going forward, at least. So, Unless he didn't mention the great mentors he had in getting set up with his 401k. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. I mean, well, I don't want to give any like insider trading info kinda, or anything. kind of so, goes without saying. I don't know if that's faux pas or whatever, so... No, we joke, but but uh, uh, Kevin, in, in our opinion, um, obviously biased, but made a great decision because, again, as as he alluded to, most uh, most people are in their early twenties are not thinking about things like four hundred one ks and retirement planning. But every year that goes by, and go by, and the compounding effects of those years lost uh, if if we don't sign up for our four hundred one k plans and 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 maximize the uh, um, the match that that most plans have, uh, we're really leaving free money on the table and. Uh, obviously, we can't go back and sign up for it last year today. Uh, so the advice we always give is, you know, today's better than yesterday and, and tomorrow is better than, you know, not doing it today. So do it at some point, because if you don't, you're going to regret not uh, not getting the, the free money that's available to you. Yeah, and there's a couple of really important points there. Uh, they also have a lot of more automatic enrollment uh, uh, packages now, too, where you know, upon starting a company, you might get automatic enrollment into there. You also can possibly select automatic escalators uh, where it goes up by 1% a year until you hit your maximum. So it's really important that we take advantage of some of those and automate the process as much as we can. There's a lot of automatic rebalancing in these programs to help with asset allocation. Uh, so don't be intimidated by the plans, but do it now. Uh, and, you know, 
there are certain points where people's budgets dry up, especially when they have young kids and things like that. So if you are young, please take advantage of that. Do not let that match go away uh, for you. I mean, you have to take advantage of that match because that's free money and that's a true employee benefit that's really valuable. And if we're looking to try to drive down income, let's say that we're in a, in a household where um, you know, we're in higher tax brackets or, or uh, we're facing things like the AMT tax, um, maximum contribute maximum contributions easy for me to say into a 401k plan uh, can really help to reduce a tax burden so the maximum that we have for 2017 is eighteen thousand uh, dollars we also have what's called a catch-up provision uh, of an additional six thousand dollars if you're over the age of 50 uh, so we can really pack away a lot of money into these plans help drive down our taxable income uh, remember, that's if we keep it on the traditional side. We can also contribute that money to the Roth side. And, and while it doesn't help drive down our taxable income, it does um, help us to get money under the Roth umbrella. So we do have quite a bit of room in these plans that we can utilize if you're not. And, and another point on 401k is if your existing financial advisor is not helping you in terms of uh, picking an allocation, answering questions, being able to kind of analyze your plan and, and look at what makes the most sense for you, uh, that may be, may be an indication that uh, it's time to shop for a different advisor that can provide assistance on those plans. That's yeah, really important because those fees compound over a long period of time and you really do need the help. I think that the main issue that I have with most 401k plans is truly that they don't offer you enough tools to do it yourself and it's really difficult to be able to select funds. Um, and so it's just not as simple as putting it into a target date fund and letting it go. That might be a good default when you first start, but uh, as you accrue some assets, you want to take uh, control of your money and your allocation and make sure that you're doing it properly and fitting your own risk tolerance. So let's change gears a tiny bit and focus on a different type of plan. So basically the 401k, if you can think of that as more of the for-profit world, and they're a little bit different than the 403b uh, plans available because uh, 403bs are generally nonprofits. Um, there's a lot of school de- teachers that are in 403b plans, administrators. Uh, some governmental entities are 403b plans. So basically, if, if you're kind of in that nonprofit or that public service sector, um, you're likely to have a 403b plan. And, and some of these are similar to 401k plans in that uh, they may only have one provider, but uh, you know, as Nate will tell you, there's there's a lot of providers oftentimes inside of these 403b plans, and it makes it a little more difficult for the participant. Yeah, the one of the main differences when we go from 401k to 403b is, and we're going to, again, try to um, illustrate this as simply as we can, a 401k plan, uh, there's one company involved that's providing the, the chassis, the platform for the uh, for the 401k plan, and, and all of the employees of the employer uh, use that same chassis or that same platform. When we get into the 403B world, the employer actually has the ability to pick multiple uh, sponsors or companies to participate in the 403B plan. So not only are you picking uh, your investments, you also need to pick which provider you want. Now, a lot of the common names um, or or common companies that, that pop up in 403B providers would be insurance companies, companies like Vanguard. Uh, Fidelity, uh, so some of the, the bigger names that we know. So you'll actually pick the company you want. TIA, Cref is, is, is another one that, that uh, plays in that space. So you'll pick the company you want, and then within that company, you will then pick from the, the list of investments. So just one additional layer of complexity there, but um, also provides some nice choice for the employee. Uh, if they don't like one company versus another, they have the ability to, to choose the company that they like. 
Uh, so that's one of the big differences with a 403B plan. Yeah, in a 403B plan, um, there can be a match. Uh, what Nate and I see a lot of times is that they're coupled up with pension plans because a lot of them have ties to the government institutions so that provide pensions, and therefore they do not have a match. So it's really up to the employee to help select that. Most HR offices will help you uh, process the forms and get the payroll done, but in many cases what they will not let you do is they will not give you the you know, any sort of expertise to select the funds and you really have to do that yourself. And so by adding that layer of complexity onto it, again, it's, it's helpful to have somebody help you along in that process because there's so many different choices. Not only do you have a fund lineup from each carrier then, but now we have five or six different carriers. And, and one caution is you've got to really be skeptical of the insurance companies inside of those plans. Oftentimes those plans are sold. They are not bought. So they're, they're, pushed on to people and, and they oftentimes carry more fees than you uh, necessarily have. Uh, the, the fee regulation and the fee uh, compression that we've seen hasn't hit the 403B plans as much as it has the 401k. So, you know, just take a moment to educate yourself on the options out there. Quick question on that. So like, let's say somebody like me, like say like I, after I leave here or whatever, I end up working for- Wait a, a minute. No. Kevin just resigned? No. Did he resign? I the podcast. Two weeks. That was podcast. a sneaky way to resign right there. When he doesn't show up in two weeks, we're going to know what happened. <laughs> this is just me asking for myself. Yeah. Okay. No, for so a friend is. Yes, yeah, for a friend. Yeah. So hypothetically, say when at whatever point I end up leaving here and I and the next job I work at ends up being somewhere that's like a government job or mm-hmm. a like public education job where I would have to have 403B. Do that have to be like two separate accounts then, or could that money somehow be like moved into the one account, or would they have to be separate completely? Yeah, there was wow, a pen- great question as a really producer. That yes. wasn't like even that. planted. That was right, right out of us. That was good. Uh, there, as part of the, uh, um, I think it was like the Pension Protection Act. I'm hoping I'm getting that right. Um, they allowed the portability of those. So back in the day, 401k and 403b really didn't uh, play well together. But now if you went from a job where you had a 401k, like your job here, went to 403B land, you can uh, send that money over to the 403B and be just fine. So um, yeah, that's a great question because there's a little more portability back and forth than there once was. Uh, Again, you want to keep it on both on the traditional side or the Roth side. Uh, if you wanted to not generate any taxation for you, you always want to do a direct rollover when you do those. And so uh, trying to avoid indirect rollovers or conversions unknowingly is uh, important, but it's it's generally not too hard to do that. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, never a bad idea in a situation like that if we're going to be moving assets from one place to another to seek out the advice of um, a trained professional to give you a hand because, uh, as Clint said, there's been some recent changes in the 401k uh, and 403B world as far as moving money uh, and restrictions put in terms, in terms of how many times you can do that without running afoul with the IRS. So again, not a bad idea to seek out some, some uh, help there. Um, we'll also throw into the mix here what are called 457 plans. 457 plans uh, are also used in a lot of cases by state and local governments. Um, what's unique about some employers is that they will run parallel a 403B and a 457 deferred compensation plan and allow employees to be able to utilize both plans at one time. Uh, This is the case for state of employee, or excuse me, state of Wisconsin employees, for example, uh, which is is something that uh, a lot are not aware of. 
uh, is that you as an employee of the state of Wisconsin have the, the ability to maximum fund a 403B and a 457 deferred compensation plan simultaneously. Uh, this for higher wage earners is a hugely, hugely powerful way to be able to shield uh, thousands of dollars from taxation. Yeah, that's known as a qualified uh, deferred compensation plan, meaning that it's tax advantaged. Um, some businesses in the for-profit side have non-qualified deferred compensation plans, which are set up completely differently. So you want to find out what you do have. Uh, furthermore, the advantage of the deferred compensation is that it's not tied to either age 55 or age 59 and a half rules, meaning that it truly is. I'm deferring my compensation to another year, and you get to choose when you recognize that compensation. So it gives us some tax planning, um, the benefits inside of there, because you know if you want to retire early, that may be a good source of income that you can utilize before those ages where it would trigger excise taxes. So deferred compensations are, are wonderfully productive plans that we can utilize. But it, you know, for most employees, it's not available for them. It's just available for, for governmental service employees. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of goes back to one of the, the first points we brought up, which is, you know, in this world of, of um, employee, excuse me, employer-sponsored plans, just understanding what you have available to you is half the battle, and then making sure that you're getting the correct advice and, and guidance um, once you know what kind of plan you have uh, really can, can clear up a lot of the confusion um, the numbers, the letters associated, 401k, 403b, those honestly are not as important as just understanding the characteristics of your specific plan and then making sure that you're receiving the correct uh, advice. Uh, a lot of these plans do have uh, an advisor associated with them, and a lot of the employers will make that advisor available for their employees. Nothing wrong with that structure, but understand the person you're meeting with uh, likely does not have uh, a great um, you know, insight to your personal situation, your personal financial plan, your personal desires when it comes to when you want to retire and how much income in retirement. So nothing wrong with sitting down with representatives from the overall plan. But if you really want to understand how this affects you and your personal situation, uh, seeking out the advice of uh, a fiduciary uh, financial advisor, an independent financial advisor, in our opinion, is the way to go. Thanks for time, taking the time to uh, join us in the podcast today. We hope you found some of our 401k, 403b, and 457 information helpful. Uh, if you have any comments or would like to listen to any particular topic that we can come up with, uh, please send us a message, and we hope to uh, have you hear us again soon. Advisory services are offered through Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Wachner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Wachner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Wachner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Wachner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. 
You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Wachner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.